up, everybody? Welcome to the Six and Friends podcast. This is your host, CJ the Six. I got my man Kenny on the mic. What's up, bro? How you doing, brother? Thank you for having me. No problem, no problem. So I ran into Kenny, and I found out that he is the youngest councilman in the Palm Bay area at 27 years old. Yes, sir. So what made you want to run for like a, an office like that? It actually started back in college. I, I graduated from Charleston Southern University in 2012, but I got my degree in criminal justice. Getting my degree in criminal justice, I started working juvenile probation officer jobs, juvenile detention. I started working in the justice system trying to find a way to create reform, but then I quickly learned that the reform had to be created through the political side of it. Mm-hmm. You had to be on the inside to make the change happen. You couldn't just be working for the job. You had to make the change happen through laws and ordinances. So right, right. I got involved in the beginning of 2015 by volunteering for uh, people who are running for office who I believed in and thought they were going to do the right thing and change things. Most of them lost. Some of them won. And one of them who lost said he was going to run for city council now. And this was in 2017. He said he was going to run for city council for the 2018 election. Last year in April, he reached out to me telling me that he had to drop out of the election because of, you know, his business was booming and he couldn't commit. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, somebody has to run. And he told me, well, he's like, well, why not you? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm ready or not. He's like, you're just what the city needs. So I put my name in the hat. I worked hard those next six to seven months and. Here I am now. Okay, nice, nice. Well, congrats on that. Thank you, sir. Since you you didn't originally have the idea of running and then you kind of got thrown into the fire, I guess what was one of the hardest things that you had to kind of like adjust yourself to to, to make this, like, I guess, election? Yep, time management. Time <laughs> management. So I'm, I'm also a business owner. I, I own a small business doing personal training and sports training, which I do like six six days out of the week. So doing that full time, but then also finding the time to knock on doors, get uh, campaign donations, go to all these meetings, uh, you know, have uh, different community organizations come um, ask me to speak there, things of that Mm -hmm. nature. Finding the time to do all of that and still, you know, sleep and eat and everything. (laughs) That was very difficult. And it's something I'm still working on mastering, being that I'm a councilman now and I still if anything, it's a higher calling now for me to do all these things as well as manage my business and make sure it grows. So time management was the main thing that was difficult. Okay. What type of, I don't, and I don't know if you can answer this question, but what type of commitments do you have now that you are a councilman? Well, well first things first, you're, you're already at a higher standard. You're, you're held to a higher standard. So things um, that you, I may see my peers say or do in public, that's something I, I can't do. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. you're, you're held to a higher standard and it should be that way. If I'm going to be a leader, I need to lead by example. So that's one thing. But that's nothing. Um, my parents brought me up that way anyways. I was, okay. a, I was in a military family. So my pop, my pops, he didn't play that. <laughs> he did not play that. He was not one to, you know, spare the belt at all. Other than that, it's just, you know, managing your schedule, making sure you're accessible to the people, those who voted for you and those who didn't vote for you. That's big right there um, because there's been times I've had disagreements with constituents who didn't support me, but I could still have a conversation with them if they're open enough to have one. Well, how long have you been in the position now? So I was elected in November, so seven months. In these seven months, has that been kind of a thing where you have people who you don't agree with, but you guys have to kind of like find that middle ground to get what needs to be done? 
It goes both from a, a citizen standpoint and a council standpoint. So from a citizen standpoint, there are those who, um, during, unfortunately, during the campaign would attack me in any mm -hmm. way, shape, or form. Um, I actually had somebody write the N-word on one of my uh, campaign signs and yeah. calling me boy and saying they are going to bring a noose to a council meeting, stuff like that I dealt with during the campaign. But it, it's unfortunate, but people are going to show their true colors in situations like that. And I said it when I met you, when I spoke before in front of the kids, it would have been a disservice for me to react right, in right. a negative manner because then I, you know, I might have messed up the chances for the next young man to try to run for office or so on and so forth. So I owed it to them, even though I don't know who the next generation is, I owe it to them to do it the right way and conduct myself as such. So then fast forward, um, I've won the election. You still have some of those constituents that still try to attack me any chance they get or just try to belittle me mm -hmm. or, you know, in any way they can. You know, I still can carry myself the same way, you know, respectfully, what, whether they support me or not. Now, with the council side of it, it's five of us. It's a mayor and four council members. Mm -hmm. They can be male or female. So all of us hold one vote. For example, say we're voting for a new development to come in. If three people say yes and two people say no, it passes. Okay. But if it's vice versa, then it doesn't pass. Mm -hmm. So okay. you have you have different people with different I ideologies up there. Some may be pro small business, some may be pro big business, some may be both. Um, you know, a hybrid. So with that being said, we have our discussions. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes we agree to disagree. We vote and then we go from there. Now with you and you did kind of mention it um, with kind of the the slander that people have had with you being like a young black man running for a position in a city that is like mostly old white people did that ever like once you kind of committed to the idea did that thought ever you know cross your mind and maybe make you think maybe i made the wrong decision i'd say it didn't because i'm, I'm originally from here growing up i really didn't have to deal with any type of racism much um the main time because i was from a military family so i was on military bases so i was well diverse mm -hmm. it wasn't until i lived in uh states like mississippi or some southern states where i actually <laughs> where i actually dealt with like true racism but here in palm bay everywhere i went with my business and everything i was i was treated fairly i had no idea going into the election, I was going to deal with something like this. I knew I was going to have naysayers, mm -hmm. but I didn't think it was going to be to the extremes of some of the things that happened during the campaign and during during the election. So that threw me off. Like, it, we all know racism does exist, mm -hmm. you know, um, whether some people want to acknowledge or not. It is it's taught. I was just having this conversation with a few other people. If, if you put a, a two-year-old African-American boy and two-year-old Caucasian boy in the same room, same room, same daycare, they're going to play with each other. Right, you know, right. They, because that's what they know. They see, they see each other as humans. Mm -hmm. It's when one is taught something else and the other one's taught something else, where that's where you get that disconnect, and that's what we're dealing with in society. I think it's less than it's ever been before, but it's still an issue here in 2019. That's a funny anecdote that you have there about kids, because I read somewhere that in, you know, in that situation, the kids' curiosity actually takes over. And they ask the question, why don't you look like me? Because, you know, they'll see themselves in the mirror. And you know, kids don't know how to process those type of things, those type of questions. But at the end of the day, they recognize there's a difference. But then they also start to realize that that difference doesn't matter. Yep. Because we still play. We still have fun. We're still friends. Yep. Like, it's one of those those crazy things about it. No, I, I, I totally agree.
Also at the the Harry T. Harris is Harris T. Moore. Harry T. Moore. You said Harry it right. T. Okay. Yeah. So at the Harry T. Moore Center, you also mentioned a story about your grandmother, who actually walked alongside Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. And I was wondering if you wanted to like yeah. Set so story so again. um so my grandmother's from Birmingham, Alabama. She grew up there as a young girl, and she graduated high school and went to Alabama State University, which is HBCU. While she was there. Um, she actually marched with Dr. King. Uh, she she would tell me stories. Uh, she would get in trouble and sometimes kicked off the bus because they had a sign, you know, on the bus saying where the coloreds couldn't sit and where mm. the whites could sit. So she would move the sign up. <laughs> yes, I, I promise she would move. She would move the sign up as a young girl, so there was more room for you know the colored people to sit. Because if there wasn't enough seats, then they had to walk. So she would move the sign up. But on my election night, when I won, she hugged me. And she told me that when she was younger and she was marching with Dr. King, she would have never thought she would have marched for a future for her grandson and be an elected official. And I have boo-hoo cried. Even talking <laughs> about it now, it sends chills because, you know, you, you don't know what, what you're doing can affect the next generation and the generation after that, and you don't even know it. Yeah, that that story really touched me. Yeah. I was like, that's crazy yeah. how, like, the world spins and stuff. Exactly, now. man. I was, ooh. <laughs> For real. Do you have any other political aspirations outside of being um, councilman? Right now, I'm not sure yet, because a lot of people ask me that question. What's next? You going straight to president, or <laughs> you, you know, I'm I'm looking to see what I can do for Palm Bay the, over these next three and a half years, and then you know wherever God guides me. Because honestly, I wasn't looking to run for city council. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of you know God kind of just put it on my lap, and he he may do the same thing and. The next three and a half years, he may say, okay, you served your time, time for you to step back and let the next person go. When the time comes, I'll know, and everybody else will know. But until then, I'm just doing what I can for the city, making sure I, I can make a positive impact and leave it better than when, when I first picked it up. So. so a lot of people, there is this conjecture with like millennials, they're not active in the political sphere, right? Even though, you know, granted lately, we have had more engagement and we have had more you know, people running for offices and doing other things like that. Do you feel that, you know, millennials are becoming more active lately in like the political sphere of both voting and like trying to take offices? I believe so. The main thing, I want to make sure that they're not just getting vocal on social media and through, you know, through just typing words. I want to yeah. make sure they're vocal and actually exercising their right. Mm -hmm. And that's what when you exercise your right, that's when you get Kenny Johnson's in office or other people in office that represent everybody, not just, you know, the older generation or just the one percent. You get somebody who is of the people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that we keep encouraging millennials and young people to stay engaged. One of the first things within the first two months of being in office, I put together a youth advisory board. So what this board is, it's a board of ninth through 12th graders who live in the city of Palm Bay, who provide a youth pr perspective of city issues and city resolutions and things they would like to see done, and they provide them before council. And then we look at them and decide if we can make it happen or not. Oh, that's amazing. You know what I'm saying? So that way, because just like I'm thinking of new ideas that haven't been done in the city of Palm Bay, these kids, we've only had two meetings, and they're already talking about some amazing things. And we have another one that's upcoming Tuesday at 630 at City Hall, 120 Malabar Road. <laughs> I had, to, I had to plug that in. So, okay. yeah. So, and it's a diverse group. We have women, men, you know, Spanish, black, Caribbean, 
white, everything. So it's well diverse, and that's what we need. Would you be able to share some of the ideas that the kids have been bringing up? One idea was I brought it up. They're taking it, and they're running with it, having a, having a splash pad in Palm Bay. You what, know, is so, what is that, like like a water park or something? Well, it's like a miniature. You know where you see where the water shoots out of the oh, ground okay, and people okay. climb on things? and okay. So something like that for the kids. You, you, we have all these parks, but it's hot. so something for the kids to enjoy parents could sit down and watch their kids have fun that's something they're discussing they're even discussing um, police engagement how we can better our community policing I have to say this our Palm Bay Police Department is doing a great job in regards to engaging in the community but they want to find ways to have the community engage the police better so we can get our young our young sisters and young brothers to enroll you know, into the police academy. So we have people who are from the community policing the community. Okay. So things like that. These are some of the discussions they have. I could be here all day, but, not <laughs> yet, but they have some great discussions and we're working on seeing what we can do and what we can't do at this time. So Now, so another auxiliary question I have, I'm your regular everyday person. I don't really have too many big dreams of like running for a political office. So I feel that my only power, quote unquote, is with my vote. Right. Is that true? Is is my only power with my vote. So what else? What other things could I do to kind of like you can be an advocate. You can be an advocate for any cause. You can be an advocate for young people. You can be an advocate for veterans. You can be advocate for minorities. You can be advocate for business owners. You know, mm-hmm. you can av- you can be an advocate for any group of people or for everybody or for a law or for something you want to see put in place, a person you want to see in office. You can knock on doors and your vote's only one vote. But you, if you advocate for something and you rally up enough people, one turns into 100 easy. Okay. And that's where the real change happens. And then those 100 touch another 100 and so on and so forth. That's how you really create a wave. So You have to understand that your vote counts as one. However, you have an entire community that could come in with you yes. to make that, that collective vote stronger. Yes. That sounds lit. <laughs> <laughs> it's real, man. It's real. People don't realize it, like how much power we have. But, you know, you got to utilize that power. Like, honestly, these young kids, these high schoolers, this youth advisory board, they don't need it. Like, they could have still just gone to a council meeting and exer- exercise their right and voice their opinions but I just wanted to make it easier for them. So I gave them a platform for them to just build upon and go from there. So do you think having that, that board for them also kind of relieves the pressure? Cause like when I was in high school, I wouldn't think to go to like a city council meeting to be like, Hey, I feel like, you know, as a kid, I need these type of things versus, you know, this, this board for them. It's like, all right, you, you can talk directly to me. Like what, what do you, what ideas do you guys exactly. have? Exactly. They're talking amongst their peers, which they already do. So now they're just in a formal setting, talking amongst their peers, discussing ideas. So nothing changes just, the, just where they're at. So they're still having the same discussions they probably have in the lunchroom mm-hmm. or in the library or wherever, the, wherever they do have them. But now it's just in a for, more formal setting. And so it, 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 I definitely believe it relieves a lot of the pressure. So, are there any other initiatives that you're looking to try and get started, or a big one that's going on right now that's uh, it's kind of shaking the county, shaking the city. Um, I'm working on a marijuana civil citation. We just had our first vote, which it passed. Now we have to have it pass on the second vote, which is July 18th at City Hall at 7 p.m. Um, 120 Malabar Road, Palm Bay, Florida. <laughs> it's looking to make to give officers the discretion 
instead of arresting someone, they can issue a citation instead. Okay. Issue if it's twenty grams or less, of course. The officer has the choice of either A letting them go, B sending them to jail, or C issuing a civil citation. In this day and age, you know, too many people are being arrested for something small like marijuana compared to, you know, real drugs like opiates and you know, some of these hardcore drugs and it's jeopardizing a young kid's life who might want to go into the military or get college funding or get approved for a loan, things like that. You can't, that doesn't happen when you have a misdemeanor as well as you lose your driver's license. Public transportation in Florida is, is poor. So how, how are you going to get to and from work? It just provides another opportunity for another crime. In college, in criminal justice, we talk all about diversion. So that's what this program is about. It's about diverting them from going to jail, but also diverting them from running into the situation again. Mm -hmm. So they can either A, pay the fine, or B, do community service. Okay. It's not everybody might have the money right then and there, but they, they do have limbs, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, you know, and they can work. That's one thing I'm pushing. A lot of people are for it, but there's still some that feel that they need to go to jail for this crime. But it's something, I, I did my research for it, and even over 30 years ago, Richard Nixon, President Richard Nixon, he put together what is known as the Schaefer Report. He, he was trying to push the war on drugs and how marijuana was so bad, it's from Mexico, and it's evil, and blah, blah, blah. Schaefer Report, which was comprised of mostly Republicans, did their studies and everything very thorough come to find out they said that they felt marijuana should be decriminalized at a federal level this was over 30 years ago now <laughs> here we are yeah. 2019 this is over 30 years ago they said it not long after that he dismissed uh, the whole report all the whole commission and everything because he didn't get the findings he wanted right you know right. it wasn't about the truth it was about the findings he wanted which was unfortunate so i shared that with my fellow council members and it passed with a 3-2 vote so now we need another vote for it to pass in July 18th, and then it's set in stone. Okay. Is the the July 18th vote with the council again? Yep. My question with that is, it passed through the council once. Why does it need to pass through the council again? That's how the, uh, the structure of the law and the charter is set up. Some things need just one reading. Some need two. So this is one that needs two readings. And once it's set, it's set. So it's okay. looking good. I'm still making sure everything's in order. Cause I don't want any hiccups. This is something that will benefit a lot of families uh, oh, yeah, within the city of Palm Bay. So that's one thing I'm trying to make sure. I'm trying to leave this place better than when I found it. There's also, and this is like a slight, slightly off topic, there's something I read a while ago, uh, basically with ticketing and fines of uh, other people of cities or whatever. And tickets and fines work better when they're based on the offended's income. So if you're taking a stream case, so you have some millionaire who has a supercar that wants to drive like 130 miles down the, down the highway. They get ticketed, say like a three or $400, it's three or $400 fine for, you know, excessive speeding or whatever. If you're a millionaire, three, $400 fine is nothing, right? Yep. But when that fine hits like 4% of your yearly income, it's like okay. you don't think twice. So yeah, yeah. I get. I never seen that before. I'm yeah. about to look into that. I I can't remember which country does it, but it also helps because on the flip side, some people are also looking at it as the same way that you said with like the marijuana fines. 
how they can become crippling to like low income families because you have like somebody somebody brought up a case of a parking ticket right you get a $150 parking ticket well you didn't know how you was going to like eat the next month so now you got to figure out how to get these $150 so you can get this parking ticket removed so now you're trying to save up this 150 but then you get like a $20 late fee on top of that and then like a $30 court fee on top of that and like so those fines just keep building and building to the point where it's just like this avalanche of debt that you like you you want to go to like inside a store for 15 minutes and then come back you know with this ticket that also helps in that situation where again it's four percent but you can easily you can much easily make that four percent versus like that 150 which might be 20 25 percent and the message still gets across right yeah yeah Um, i'm I'm gonna read read up on that yeah i haven't seen that what's been your favorite thing about being a councilman i I honestly love it all um even even some of the you know negative feedback feedback is feedback i'm gonna take it you know i'm gonna take it with a grain of salt and grow from it so being able to just positively you know affect people's lives get things done and they they thank me for it that you know just knowing that I was able to, even without the thank you, knowing that I was able to make a difference for somebody, that's rewarding in itself. So I, I love just being able to help people and serve. I'm I'm a little bit of both. I'm introvert and extrovert, so I have no problem being by myself for days at a time. But mm-hmm. then I can, you know, I can be in a crowd and have a blast. We have this Fourth uh, of July festival for Palm Bay this evening, so I, I'll be out there and I'll, I'll have a blast. But then. Once that's over, I have no problem going to the movies by myself to watch <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man or something like that. Yeah, okay, okay. So, Now, you also mentioned that you are part of D9. Yep. You know, so Omega Sci-Fi, correct? Yep. Yes, sir. Did you feel like there was a lot of support from D, from the D9 groups? Oh, um, definitely from uh, my fellow brothers uh, from Omegas. I had, because I set up a campaign donation website. And my frat brothers from South Carolina, from from all over the country, who knew who I was and knew me, donated. Whether it was twenty bucks to a hundred to five hundred, they donated because they supported me and they they knew what I was trying to do. So mm. they supported me, and that's what the brotherhood's all about. That's what it should be about. And right. they they made they made that known. So I, I got a lot of support. Yeah, even from uh, you know AKA Zetas, Sigma Gamma Rose, the Deltas. Yeah, I, I got support from all over. You know, Alpha Sigmas. Like when they when they see somebody within a fraternity that they recognize trying to do something right, how can you not support it? You know, right. it's supposed to uplift one another. So, because I know there's a couple of jokes going around that considering that Kamal's AKA that <laughs> Deltas want to support her, oh. or they like be making like some type of jokes or whatever. But yeah, yeah, which people make jokes all the time. You know, that was college thing. You can joke and everything, but at the same time, you should be able to support somebody who's trying to do right. So. Right. Regardless of the Greek affiliation, yep. whenever like black people are trying to run for office, and I granted you shouldn't support every black person because they're black, yep. but I will say ninety five percent of the time you should. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but when you when you have like somebody who's black running for office and you look into their issues that they're supporting, by default I would be on their side, you know. Like it's all right, cool. I I'm pretty sure I'm gonna support this person. Then I go look at the issues. It's like okay, cool. These issues align with you know my goals and my reasons and. Like what I want to do, so it shouldn't be you know you shouldn't really let the the, the color Greek them. Yeah, yeah yeah or the Greek yeah, yeah you shouldn't let that get into the way because AKAs and Deltas have the most silly few it's yeah I agree <laughs> and you know like little stuff like that like like you know it's too important for your letters to get in between you so 
Kenny, did you want to give any like background information, shameless plugs, any of that stuff? Other than what I've told you about, my main business, Top Notch Training of Rivard. I'm located right down the road, 2155 Palm Bay Road. For now, I'm looking to expand in the next two months. Do personal training, um, you know, group classes, sports training, meal plans, workout plans, whatever you need for your health and fitness goals, I'm there for you. You can reach out on topnotchtraining321.com or you can follow the page on Facebook, Top Notch Training, or Instagram, Top Notch Training. Or one of our trainers will make sure you're well taken care of. Other than that, get involved in local government. Get involved in politics. It's not just about federal or state level, but local government's one that makes the biggest change in regards to taxes, development, things going on in your community. So whether it's with the school board or with the county or with whatever city you live in, I encourage everybody listening here to get involved. If you're not sure how to get involved, please reach out to me. I'll give you my city cell phone number. It is 321-474-0183. You can reach out or email me, whatever you need to do. If you have a question, just reach out on how do I start? Where do, how do I advocate? Who do I need to talk to? Where do I go? What do I say? Reach out. If I can help you, I will. If I can't, then I'm going to get you to somebody that can help you. So, Say I have an issue, like something I want to change within the city. Is the city council meeting maybe one of the best places to bring it to? Yes. That way everybody can hear you. You can sh- shoot an email, but the best place is to be there in person, right in front of that podium, and speak before the whole council. Okay. Yeah, so for anybody listening, if they had an issue with the city or something going on, or if they just want to thank the city government for doing a good job, you know, Come to go to your city council meeting and let your voice be heard. How long do the council meetings? Do they have Woo! a set time? They don't have a set time, <laughs> brother. They do not have. Our meetings start at seven. They can end at eight. They can end at two in the morning. It just depends on what all is going on. Oh, geez. Yeah. If one week everything or every question isn't addressed, is that just like all right? Just come back next time and we'll we'll start from there. Is it kind of like that type of thing, or is it kind of like each? Each session is just new. For our agenda, we have, you know, old business that we have to address and new business that we have to address. Some things we could table, which means we can put it off to the next meeting mm-hmm. or we can address everything right then and there. But if somebody fills out a public comment card to speak, they get three minutes to speak for each agenda item. So say we have 10 agenda items and the same one person gets to speak for each agenda item because they fill out a card. That's 30 minutes right there of them speaking. <laughs> now imagine 40 people in there to speak for several things. Uh, you, you get where I'm going? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, so that can also dictate how long or how short a meeting is. What's the shortest meeting you've attended? I would say an hour. I would say an hour. Okay, that's yeah. not too bad. Yeah, it was, it was good. I, I was able to, you know, get some sushi before the place closed. And <laughs> it was good. I like my sushi. It was, it was good. What was the longest one? So far for me, the longest was like 11. But I've been to council meetings that have gone to 1 to 2 in the morning. Okay. Yeah, so. but for me on council, the longest was 11. Jeez. Is there like when it starts going that long, is there like an intermission or anything? Or no, nah, you, you keep on rolling. You can have you can have somebody get you a coffee or something, but you just keep on rolling. That's an endurance race yeah, right it, there. It is, it is. <laughs> and that's the thing. I drink a lot of water, so I'm in there like, oh, man, come on. So. <laughs> oh, you can't even go to the bathroom? Well, you, you can run to the bathroom, but okay. if there's something serious on the matter, you don't want to just walk away from your seat, you know, while somebody's speaking or okay, something. Yeah. yeah. 
So you gotta like find the right time to hurry up, use the bathroom, wash your hands, get out. I can imagine just for four hours, like no, yeah, my attention span is not that good. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, does you know being a councilman kind of like test your patience, especially like with with that? You know, sometimes I sit there from four to five hours. Yeah, you definitely have to be patient, especially when you know sometimes you can you know in your head what you're trying to get across, but to the person you're trying to get it across to, it may not come out the right way. So you got to be patient enough to try to make sure they can process what you're saying the right way. You know all about, you know, levels of communication. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. so that's one thing. Um, just making sure your your point gets across the right way. It's not misconstrued. Other than that, you have to be patient with um, things that you want to happen. Like this uh, marijuana civil citation ordinance. I've been wanting it to have happen for months, right. like, uh, like towards the beginning of the year. But I needed to be patient, make sure all my ducks were in a, were in a row. Everything was taken care of. I dotted my I's and crossed my T's. And then here I am now in the month of July, almost six months from when I wanted to do it, but it's getting done. Do you think that the position you have now, I know you mentioned it earlier, that a lot of things you do, you do it with like the younger generation in mind because you're putting forth changes that might not necessarily affect you, but would definitely affect, you know, younger generations. Do you think like right now that you've become sort of a role model for some of the young kids these I, days. I believe so, and it goes on before I ran for city council because in my spare time, I would volunteer at schools just to try to stay engaged with the youth, and I, I started mentor programs at three schools um, that were Title I schools, Palm Bay Elementary, Sunrise Elementary, and uh, University Park Elementary, where some of the at-risk young men, I would get with them on a weekly or bi-weekly basis just to talk with them to see how they're doing, just try to keep them focused on school and on their home life. You know, to them, I was already a role model. I I didn't need the title of councilman to dictate what mm-hmm. I was going to do anyways. Like, I was going to serve regardless, but I realized that I could serve at a higher capacity by being elected as councilman. So, okay. does that make sense? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. It's just now that you have... It kind of like, magnifies it. Yeah, it magnifies it because yeah. you, already, you already were, like, stepping into that role, but now, like, you have so many more faces and so many more eyes on you. That he's like, you already had prepared yourself early on. Yeah. And so now that it's, it's greater, it's like, ah, I've been doing this. It's day-to-day stuff. Yep. I wanted to ask you, it's kind of a touchy subject. Go ahead. Kind of about politics. There are some people who don't vote in the presidential election because they feel that at that level, that vote doesn't matter because you have the popular vote and you have the electoral college. And the electoral college, you know, pretty much decides – you know, they, they pull the votes in the states and yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And the electoral college doesn't have to follow the popular vote. Yep. Have you seen that happen with uh, Trump? Previous elections. Yeah. And with Bush. Do you share that same sentiment or do you feel that you should vote at every level regardless? I think you should vote at every level regardless. The reason being, if you get 10,000 people in the state of Florida saying my vote doesn't matter, then 10,000 people from the state of Georgia, 10,000 people from Minnesota, 10,000 from Michigan – 10,000 from all over that's from every state that's 500,000 votes right there and that's those are just being nice with those numbers saying 10,000 from each state saying they don't want to vote that could vote Mm -hmm. that's being nice so that's 500,000 if we're going to be real if it's 100,000 people from each state then you're looking at 5 million people that didn't vote and they always do studies after the election to show what percentage of people voted that could vote so sometimes it'll be 50% 50% of the people who can vote voted or mm-hmm. 60% turnout or 70% turnout, you know? So 
when you don't vote, you're letting half the population decide what's going to happen for the majority of the population. Right. Okay. You know, because and it's not just the presidency, other things, but it's also amendments like Amendment Four in Florida, giving ex offenders the right to vote again. Mm-hmm. You know, right. stuff like that. Those are other things you can vote for: uh, raising taxes, lowering taxes. So th- these are things that the people have control of. But if you're letting just fifty percent or however many, how whatever the percentage is for that year, decide for the hundred percent of people. You're not, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice. Right, right, right. So you can talk and complain and everything. You, you know, that's your right. You can voice your opinion at any time. But where were you? You know, <laughs> you wasn't yeah. with me shooting in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I never fault anybody for not wanting to vote. The same conversation I'm having with you I've had with other people. Some of them understood where I was coming from. Some of them still were like, no, I'm not voting. I'm like, okay, that's that's your right. But I just want them to understand your taxes may go up because you decided not to vote or this may happen because you decided not to vote or it may not happen because you decided, you know, All right. stuff like that. I'm going to play devil's advocate a little go bit. Ahead. What if I vote, but the opposite thing still happens? So, like, say just random. Say I want to vote that the city provide ice cream every Friday at some function and that vote doesn't pass. And now it's like, oh, well, I voted to have it. It didn't happen. My vote doesn't matter. Well, that's where I'm going to rewind and I'm going to go back to advocacy. So mm-hmm. after every election, you can see how much like I won my race. It was 58 to 42 percent. And I saw how many votes I was ahead by. Say it was no to ice cream and it was by 500 votes. So, you know, that we were 500 votes away from having ice cream or 501 votes away from having ice cream. So you know that, okay, if I can advocate for the next time and get 100 people to vote yes for ice cream and they get a few more people to vote yes for ice cream, that's where you change it. Think about it. Years ago, medical marijuana, Mm -hmm. we needed 60% for it to pass. It got 57% the first time in Florida. Right. Then it passed, and it passed by a huge, a a big amount of numbers. I forgot the exact number, but the first time it was 57%. We were that short. People could have been like, you know what, I give up. Oh, man. But we tried it again, and the people came out and voted, and it passed. And here we are able to, you know, help people who need the medical attention through marijuana. So that's a prime example right there where it failed the first time, but that doesn't mean you give up. You also mentioned Amendment 4 for the uh, ex-felons. Yep, giving them their, their rights back. Yeah. How do you... How did you feel about that when you heard about it, when you first heard about I, it? Um, I, I was one of the ones, I, back in 2015, they had started a petition way back to get this on the ballot. So I signed the ballot. My concern was like, all right, is this going to con- include all ex-felons? But it doesn't include like murderers or rapists or sex right. offenders. So I felt comfortable with that. I was like, okay, that's something I can get behind. They served their time. They did the crime. And they're back out. They're trying to make a living. I can mm-hmm. support this. Now, there was a clause. Basically, there was a clause added to the bill. The, the state legislators put in some clauses, which made it a little more difficult for people to get their rights back. You have to pay all court fines or court fees, something of that nature. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The, I don't know it in its entirety, but the people made it clear what they wanted. The, mm-hmm. the The people voted, and they made it clear. They didn't make it where they wanted these clauses in it. They wanted it just the way it was. But the state legislators stepped in. And put in clauses which made it difficult um, for other some people and not not all I believe, 
but it definitely made it difficult for a good majority of people. How should we or how could we as a people, you know, kind of fight those clauses? Like, you know what? This isn't what we asked for. We wanted it just straight up. That's where you have to either call or email or write your state legislator in your area or other areas so they know that, no, this is wrong. This is not what we supported. You know, mm-hmm. so that's how you can advocate when it's not time to vote. You can vote with your voice still by calling, writing enough people banging on their door or knocking on their door with letters and emails. They're going to go, OK, I need to rethink this. When the people are kind of like, you know, not necessarily in an uproar, but they are dissatisfied with the way things are going. Does that jeopardize that the legislator's position? Does that for his next run? Does it kind of like. If he doesn't listen, rather. It, it it depends on if it's just a small minority of people that feel that way, then it may not jeopardize. If it's a majority that feel that way, it may jeopardize. So it depends. Some people, they're mad one second, they're okay the next. So <laughs> you never know. I was going to ask, is there anything you want to ask me, even though I'm just your regular, regular citizen? No, um, because we met briefly. Like, we exchanged contact information, and then that, that was pretty much it. So <laughs> I, I don't know your, you know your educational background or... What do you do currently here in um, Melbourne? So I went to school at Auburn University, graduated okay. with a degree in mechanical engineering in December 2014. I'm a member of Alpha Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Okay. That's why I was down there, you know, supporting one of my other brothers that was there. I moved out to Florida in December 2016. It's almost three years. Yeah. I work with Northrop Grumman. Okay. I'm a design engineer. I design shit. And I have a podcast. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, it's crazy said that. I've been hosting Black History events for the uh, past few years in both Palm Bay and Melbourne. And uh, Northrop Grumman and s- somebody from Harris came. They talked to me about setting up some type of STEM program through the cities for young people. Oh, that would be great. I want to steal Nipsey's idea where I'd have to look more into it, but he had a, like, I think it was like a building. It was just like for kids, like young kids to come in and like just practice STEM stuff. You know, like, you know, whether it be robotics, programming. That'll be amazing. And so all that type of things. After this podcast, we'll definitely converse more about that. Um, I got I have the contact information for those uh, individuals. You may know them. Yeah, I'll look into it. I got, I got you. We'll talk more about that because that'll be big. That's all something right. I think we can do within the next year, two years. So bad. And if you need a host. For whatever. Yep, I got you. <laughs> Just holler at my boy. <laughs> okay. So, were there any funny moments during your campaign run? So, during the campaign, being that I jumped in the race so late, mm-hmm. I jumped in the race in April. The primary was in August, and the main general election was in November. I had to make sure I can find ways to be creative and generate a lot of attention in a positive manner. I will go Facebook Live while I'm walking in neighborhoods, (laughs) anything. I started sporting a bow tie just to be different. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody else usually sports just a standard tie. I want there to be different. So I will sport a bow tie, and I still do now. When I walk in the room, I'm I'm known as the guy with the bow tie. So one time, one, one of my opponent's constituents was trying to rag on me. Uh, calling me Pee Wee Herman, <laughs> trying to clown. So I came out with a video with the Pee Wee Herman music and dance right in front of City Hall, doing the whole Pee Wee Herman dance. Oh, exact man. scene. I'll, I'll show it to you. I'll show it to you once we're done. But uh, doing the whole dance and the whole everything, and it was hilarious. Like it that went viral. Like that at least not like big time viral, but yeah. viral within Brevard County. And that just generated a whole bunch of, yeah, a lot of people loved it. Like, that's the way you turn a negative into a positive. I'm like, yep, that's, I told you that's what I'm about. You know, 
I believe in the law of attraction. So if I dwell in negativity, that's what I'm going to get. If I dwell in positivity, I'm going to get that. So Yeah, that's crazy. I can imagine, like, like whoever's trying to ride on you, like, their face when it's like, you take that joke they were making about you and then turn it into something oh, that gets oh, you more. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure he was just like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm, yeah. I'm oh, done. Oh, they they still come at me. Like, I just had somebody else come at me last week with uh, something racial, and it is what it is. So, yeah. You mind if I, if I read it? Yeah, you can read it. All right, so this guy is, like, big mad. It says, Johnson is, was, and will always be a puppet. Useless POS who does not represent the citizens of Palm Bay. Unfortunately, he represents the minorities and morons of Palm Bay who haven't a clue what goes on. All they know is a black kid with a bow tie. Yikes. Like, tell me how you really feel. Yeah, yeah, so. And it's funny that he says that, that you don't represent the people of Palm Bay. Like, obviously, he doesn't, he's not paying attention to what's going on in Palm Bay. Yep. Because if you start looking around, and I've noticed it in the past two years when I started moving here, Harris and Northrop Grumman have brought in a lot of, like, younger black engineers, which has kind of, like, diversified the community even more. It only makes sense that you start having, you know, representation on the board. You want a diverse leadership to reflect the diverse community you have. Right. So he been living under a rock, and that's cool. It looked like he been living under a rock, but I'm not for now. <laughs> 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 and, that, and that does bring me to, like, uh, one of my last questions. How much do you think your race or you just being African-American has affected, you know, your campaign and you as a councilman now? I feel like it's affected me in a – positive and a negative manner positive mm-hmm. being for the young black boys and young black girls who then think they can see somebody in office you know they they see barack obama you know but that's somebody they can never touch but they see somebody like kenny johnson who they grew up with can get in the office that shows them that hey my vote really does matter like it, it hits closer to home i guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then you have those who unfortunately can't see past you know color who make statements like those that you just read and they'll they'll try to do anything to try to jeopardize what I'm trying to do. A lot of the laws and ordinances I'm trying to pass, anything I've been trying to do, sometimes some of those uh, that vocal minority it may be a good idea for them but they will never admit it because of who's presenting it, which is me. If that makes sense. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I I wouldn't even say it's a negative because I I'll never, you know, I would never trade my skin. You know, I I love who I am. I I would never jeopardize it for anything. I would never trade with anybody. So that's just who, that's just real. That's what's up, man. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure having you I and talking to it. you. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? This is CJ the Six, and that is the episode. Yes, sir. Yeah.